This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 7, Episode 2 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm John. And today is Part 2 in our series on Simon Pegg, looking at his work as a motion picture writer. And today we're going to be looking at his first motion picture, Shaun of the Dead. This movie came out uh, in 2004, and it was originally released in the UK and then released in the US a few months later, and uh, it was America's first exposure to Simon Pegg in a lot of ways. So, John, would you want to uh, give us sort of a synopsis of of this movie? Yeah, sure. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is basically a comedy about coming, uh, well, not coming of age, because that's a younger time, but uh, coming of maturity, a generational question of maturity uh, set against the backdrop of the zombie apocalypse, which catches everybody just a little bit off guard and uh, provides for many instances of hilarity. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's a pretty accurate description. Okay, now, like, like, like I just mentioned this was probably a lot of people's first uh, exposure to Simon Pegg their introduction to Simon Pegg it certainly was for me and I I hear it was for you too yeah man this like okay Siri or whatever the hell thing always (laughs) while I'm podcasting all my phone just suddenly turns on I I need to turn that off anyway um so, so what? How did you discover this movie, and uh, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I remember hearing a little bit of buzz about it. Uh, I didn't get around to seeing it until my friend Joey, uh, who is a zombie movie aficionado, um, sort of the way that uh, I think you and I have locked horns on occasion about, say, certain Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Joey would be the zombie version of me with certain Star Wars movies. Does that make sense? Where, like, most normal people might look at a zombie movie and be like, uh, okay, that kind of sucked. And he'd be like, no, 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 you have to look at it in the content and, you know, sort of go for that spin on it. So he's, um, he's all about, like, how amazing, like, the prequel to Night of the Living Dead, which is Diary of the Dead, is, like, an amazing <laughs> movie. No, but he, uh, our, our big uh, tussle, actually, over time was over Dawn of the Dead, which, oh, okay. was, which was a movie that he adored, and then he showed it to me. And back in the, the long lost days of videotape and he showed it to me and it, it was an awkward conversation when at the end I was like, it was all right, I guess. And then, you know, the, the, from, it, it went from there. There are people who love that movie like it is one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, Brandon, my co-host on commentary, Track Star Babies, is one of those people who, you know, thinks it's just amazing. And I mean, I, I enjoy it quite a bit but like i guess i i get that uh that sort of like weird look every time i say like i yeah actually i like the remake better i don't like well i don't like the remake better the remake was pretty good up until zombie baby zombie baby is the specific point in that film where i disengaged and i was like all right if you're not going to take this seriously neither am i but anyway joey was big is big into zombie movies and and horror movies in general and he saw it he saw Shaun of the Dead before me. And so he recommended it, and he was like, oh, and it's funny, and it's good. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not falling for this. You're always telling me to watch zombie movies. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. you got to see this. And so I eventually did and loved it. I thought it, was just, I, I thought it was just really so much fun because of the way that it was built, the way that the, the jokes played. I thought it was really witty, and I really liked the way that the two friends interact throughout the entire movie. Like, it, it was very relatable, Especially, you know, to anybody that was sort of going through that crucible moment asking, you know, where am I going in my life and what am I doing? Why am I working here? Like, you know, it really resonates on that on that level. Yeah, I guess I had kind of a a similar experience to you. Uh, Max had 
he he had like a, an import or something like that because it came out in the UK a few months before the US. So it was already mm-hmm. out on video in the UK before it was in theaters in the US. Mm-hmm. So he had like an import from the UK or something like that. And I like I remember him talking about it and everything and he kept on saying there's this movie Shaun of the Dead. It's a comedy. It's really funny. It's really good. And I kind of stopped paying attention when he said the name is Shaun of the Dead. Because to me, that was just like, I'm like, oh, so it's it's like a spoof. It's like a joke. Like, they're not even taking it seriously right. as far as its own movie. Like, this is like a movie where you have to see another movie in order to get even what the title is referring to, you know? Right. And I'm like, that's just so, that doesn't, like, to me, like, in my mind, I kept on thinking, like, that doesn't even count as, like, a real movie. Even though, like, every project which I've named since has been, like, exactly that. And so I don't know what that says about the things that I do, including (laughs) this show right here, Commentary, (laughs) Trek Stars. You know, what What does that even mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like, like I was just watching the Steve Jobs movie the other day, yeah. um, which is really good, by the way. And there's this whole thing where, like, his one of his projects was named, like, Lisa, which was also his daughter's name. Oh. And no, he, keeps on, he keeps on saying, like, it's a coincidence. I didn't name it after you. And then finally he admits, I mean, is this spoilers for Steve Jobs? It's a, it's a real thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, supposedly. Sure. Okay, all right. He's finally like, it means this. And he like said what the acronym stands for. And he's like, that's not even a real thing. That doesn't make any sense. Of course I named it after you, you know? It was like one of those things. And it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, commentary, Trek stars. We can say that's, you see, it's a commentary on Trek star. No, it's because our other show is called Commentary Track Stars, okay? And we were being cute, all right? So, you know, and that's kind of like what my reaction to Shaun of the Dead was, was like, am I supposed to take this seriously because it has that title? So it already had like two strikes against it. And, you know, Max is like, no, 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 it's really good. I don't know what you're talking about. Who cares? Who cares what it's called? It's great. It works on its own. It is its own thing. And I'm like, whatever. And so much time had passed between when he first saw it and when it was actually released in the U.S. that he had built this up like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, he made a big deal about how he's like, you know, I'm going to take everyone to see it and everything like that, When you know, opening night and, and all this stuff. And I was like, whatever. I mean, I'll go see it because it's a movie, but I'm not, you know... I'm not super excited about it. And we went with our friend, um, Josh, and we came out of the theater, and Josh is like, that was amazing. That was a masterpiece, you know, and and Max is like, I know, right? I mean, like, Max thinks it's straight up probably the best movie ever made, you know? I mean, it's up there with Star Wars, right? So I've got all, I mean, and then Josh has since done things like, like he will regularly cosplay as Sean at various conventions and stuff like that. Nice. You know, it, it, that's the level of fandom that all of my friends were, you know, exposing me to with this movie. And because of that, like because that was even happening prior to me seeing it, I was going into it kind of like jaded. And when sure. I saw it, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's a good movie, whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And that, in a similar way that I think, you know, it happens with me a lot. Like, you know, I'll be talking about Magnolia like crazy, you know, and then my friends will watch and they'll be like, what? And then, you know, they'll start, you know, just making fun of Magnolia just because, not so much because they like it or (laughs) dislike it, just because they want to give me a hard time, you know? (laughs) And it's like this weird, like, balance thing. And that definitely has gone on with me with Shaun of the Dead. And it's taken a lot of time and a lot of distance for me to sort of reevaluate it properly, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until The World's End came out, which we'll be talking about in a few weeks, where uh, uh, they they showed, like, the entire trilogy back-to-back at at the theater on on opening night of World's End. And seeing it with an audience and without uh, my friends um, really kind of 
made me focus on 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 the film itself and and what it and what it is and um i started sort of like slowly coming around to how great it is yeah so yeah it's it, it was strange it's been a long road getting Interesting. there here yeah <laughs> well done <laughs> but you know i mean it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't know. We'll we'll get into that later on. We'll get we'll get back to it in a second. Okay. So now, what about Simon Pegg? Now he is the star of this movie, and he's also the co-writer of it, along with the director Edgar Wright. So, what were your thoughts when you first saw Simon Pegg? I I thought he was a clever guy who could deliver lines really well, and I really liked the way he played frustrated. I know that that seems like an odd thing to single out. But there are a couple of points in this movie where he I, he plays the kind of frustrated that I can particularly relate to. Like when there's one scene in specific when he goes to the apartment to get uh, his, you know, sort of ex-girlfriend and her two friends. And he's, you know, in the four, he's got, you know, he's got his back to them. And the guy says something that annoys him. And you just see him make the face like he just wants to tear the guy apart. But he stays quiet. He's like, no this is what we're going to do. And like, so that sold me on him, on his talent. Um, In terms of the writing, I thought that, you know, I mean, like I said before, the dialogue is really snappy and I thought that the setups were clever. And so, you know, I suppose my impression of him all around coming out of Shaun of the Dead was, wow, this guy's got some talent and I'm going to look forward to seeing him. Yeah. You know, I I had a similar reaction. I I think, um, part of it was, you know, also I, I, he was good in it, you know, for sure. Um, but as sort of like an extension of it and, and this being sort of like the only movie that all of these people had really done prior to this, there was sort of this uh, really, really strong effort, which was made to seek out whatever there was to seek out, you know, by them. And yeah. of course, the thing that they were sort of known for prior to this in the UK, at least, was a, a TV show called Spaced which um, was written and directed by Peg and uh, Wright, along with uh, Jessica Stevens, or I think is her name. Mm-hmm. I, it's the woman who's like the, the, the female mirror version of, of Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it's basically a romantic comedy sitcom thing, but very much sort of like, I mean, it's the Big Bang Theory by the creators of Shaun of the Dead. You know, okay, that's so that's what it is. The Big Bang Theory, but good is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, yes, Thank that's you. what I'm saying. And it is a really good show. It's only like 12 episodes long, you know, two seasons. Because it's the BBC and that's how they do it. Yeah, and, you know, si- Edgar Wright directed every single episode and, you know, the three of them wrote them all together and Nick Frost is in it. And it's it's all the people who did this, you know. And it's basically about, you know, these friends, a, a man and a woman who are friends who move into an apartment together and pretend to be a married couple in order to get like a lower rent, you know? Okay. And in the process, of course, you know, there's this whole thing where they're, you know, probably in love with each other, but not willing to admit it and blah, blah, blah. And that's the, sure. you know, but it's extremely geeky like you know he works in a comic book store blah 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 you know i mean yeah so the 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 pop culture nerd references are coming fast and furious you know i think because of that even without seeing that show like peg became like a a geek hero in a sense yeah it's like he's one of us you know he's doing this thing he's living the dream in a sense you know yeah. And I think that extends into him playing Scotty and everything. And now it's it's really interesting when it comes to him writing it because there's, a, you know, one scene, there's a lot of stuff in, in that movie because it was coming out like right around the time of the prequels. So mm-hmm. you can imagine, you know, like there's this one th- scene where, you know, after he sees like Phantom Menace, yeah. he they they do a recreation of uh, the... Uh, the the Darth Vader funeral pyre or whatever. You but mean, with you all... mean the, the Qui-Gon Jinn funeral pyre, since you're talking about Phantom Menace? No, 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 no. No, Return of the Jedi. Oh, 
Okay. But it's him with all of his, uh, like, Star Wars memorabilia because he's like, it's over, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, he also goes on rants about various geek things, and one of the things that he talks about is how it's like a law of the universe that, you know, only the even-numbered Star Trek movies are good, and if it's an odd-numbered movie, that means it it's terrible. It can't be good. And now he's making an odd numbered Star Trek movie. Yeah. He's got to feel good about that. <laughs> it's weird. He does that a lot. Like there was yeah. the whole thing, which everyone always brings up with, you know, people are like, wow, you were this, this star on the BBC and now you're going to Hollywood. And isn't that so great that you made it? And he's like, he was trying to make the point that while that is true, He's still making movies on a much smaller scale than people are used to. It's not like he's a movie star. It's not like he's Tom Cruise. So in this interview, he's like, yeah, you know, that's true, but it's not like I'm in Mission Impossible 3 or something like that. Yeah, and, and then, then, of course, he, he yeah. was in Mission Impossible <laughs> 3. You know, I mean, yeah. that's the kind of life that he's living. And it, it, it's that sort of thing. It's that, that sort of Kevin Smith thing where it's like this guy's living the dream, you know? Yes. And uh, only I'm much more likely to go see a Simon Pegg movie. I can tell you that. Siri just did it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Um, well, okay, Siri I mean, is an extension of the lawnmower man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, okay. Kevin Smith is I, as much no, as I love Sean. I, I, Kevin. I, you Smith know what? I was I was just taking my glancing than, blow. It's yeah, been a couple of episodes since I did fine. that. So it's fine. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, you know, so, so like I, I've always been a big fan of Simon Pegg, even though I wasn't necessarily like a huge fan of Shaun of the Dead. I mean, certainly sure. always liked it, but I always liked Simon Pegg more than his work in, in a sense, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I can see what you're saying where it's like, you know, you, you will go and see and support his work because you like what he represents as much as if not a little bit more than what the actual product winds up being. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, a movie that we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks, Run, Fat Boy, Run, okay? There's a movie where its premise and everything has absolutely nothing that I'm I'm interested in. You know, there is no yeah. reason why under normal circumstances I would go to see that movie. And Shaun of the Dead, in terms of quality level, is something which I would not normally go to see... Um, you know, the work of, of the creators, if they were, you know, just blindly, you know, right. because it's not like it was that good. And yet there was no doubt that I was going to watch Run, Fat Boy, Run because it was Simon Pegg that was not only starring in it, but also writing it. Sure. You know? And it's like that, I don't know, it's just it's just a weird thing. But Anyway, no, I, I get it, man. I, I, talk, I think we all have people like that, like all, you know, be it a director, be it a writer, be it a star, somebody that will always give the benefit of the doubt. We'll be mm-hmm. like, we like their other work just enough and we like who they are as well. So like, it, it, you know, it's almost like our way of, of cheering for the home team in a lot of ways. I mean, before he, he like went, you know, superstar big, like I was that way with Sam Jackson Believe mm-hmm. it or not, that after National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One, yeah, I was like, I love that guy. He's fantastic. And then like Pulp Fiction happens, and everybody has him. And I was like, All right, hey, you know, <laughs> cool. But uh, you know, like you know, you, you you do you support a guy or 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 a gal, uh, you know, that you just like, like you like their potential because even if you didn't, even if Shaun of the Dead's not a, a home run for you. There's enough about it to like that you know that the next thing they work on is it like their baseline of good is enough, you know, to to, to make you intrigued. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, there, there's enough to work with there that they could always do better, which you could take as an insult, but you see it as these are the people that know how to take it to the next level. I believe they can, you know, accelerate, you know, the the jokes or the you know. The execution or what have you. Yeah, you know, there's times I think also probably a lot of it has to do with the perception of the people around you and the fact that, you know, Mm. for example, everyone around me was talking about how great it was and it's like, well, I should be paying attention because I'm probably missing something, you know, and maybe you'll see something the next time around which you didn't see, 
you know, in, in this instance. I mean, that's kind of a, oh, a tale of two filmmakers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, you know, that, I, that would happen a lot, especially when I was, you know, younger, like in college and stuff like that. And there were two two filmmakers who were like that at, at the time. One was Wes Anderson and the yeah. other was the other was David O. Russell. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is like both of those people, like, you know, first couple movies I see from them, I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's good. Whatever, you know? And, yeah. you know, people would get super excited about their next movie coming out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be exciting, you know? Yeah. And then I'd see it. And with Wes Anderson, it got to a point where I was like, this is really not working for me. None of these movies are bad, but all of them are just so average that why would I go out of my way to see them? You know, I'm sick and tired of them being, of them not living up to the potential. And I, hmm. like, from Life Aquatic up until uh, the the new one. Grand um, Budapest Hotel. Yeah. I hadn't seen any movies of his. That's like 10 years worth of just not, wow. and, and, and not even like saying like, screw Wes Anderson, he's the worst. But literally, like, I had liked all of his movies that I had seen, but mm-hmm. I was just like, None of these look like anything that I'm interested in. I'm sick and tired of being, you know, of thinking they're all okay. Okay. But David O. Russell, on the other hand, you know, I kept on trying, kept on trying. And then finally, like, I latched on to, like, one of them. And that it was it was Silver Linings Playbook. And I'm like, which, which I had, like, given up on and then went to see because it was part of the Oscar Best Picture Showcase. Yeah. And I'm like, Wow. That movie's amazing. And now, like, I for sure will see anything that that guy does and everything that he's done since I've thought has been fantastic, you know? Yeah. No, I I, uh, I think it's funny that you point out uh, Silver Linings Playbook because I had a similar sort of experience where I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to. And I wound up going to see it on date night with uh, with my wife. And, well, hopefully, you know, I wouldn't be seeing it on date night with anybody else, really. But, uh, <laughs> like, we went to go see it, and it was like... It, it was like a gut punch because it was like, what just happened? Yeah. That was amazingly great. And so, yeah, I, like he punched my ticket for everything after that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Simon Pegg is kind of like that in a sense. You know, like you, you hot fuzz, you know, everything, yeah. everything that's come since is sort of like a cumulative thing where nothing has been, you know, has completely blown me, me away, but everything has just sort of impressed me steadily. Mm-hmm. And... It's. T- I. <laughs> I have no idea why it's doing. You know this. what? Siri knows that you made that Steve Jobs movie crack and is trying to hijack everything and destroy it. It was. You had to a- go anger Apple. Good move. It wasn't even a crack. Like Steve Jobs is, I think, one of the best movies of the year. You know, go see Steve Jobs, everyone. I guarantee you that Siri thing is not going to happen for the rest of the show now because you said that. Okay. All you right. Lifted the curse. Good. Good. Okay, so um, looking at, at Shaun of the Dead now, you know, 11 yeah. years later and, and sort of analyzing it from, you know, not, not so much a, a geeky fan perspective, but from, you know, a, a, a critical perspective. What, what, do, what do you think about the movie? What I look at in movies is different now than it was back then. And so I can actually appreciate a lot of the, the technical side of what they pull off Um a lot of the camera setups, a lot of the, you know, just composition of everything and the editing, uh, I think it is really well done. Um, I, I'd like to think I'm a little bit more astute in terms of looking at those sorts of things. But what I really, what really struck me this time, and this this veers off to the other side of things instead of talking about all, all the technical stuff, was the first time I saw it, I really enjoyed it, but the ending stuck in my crawl. Because I didn't get it back then. And I think I'm more versed in zombie movies now where the Deus Ex ending is completely in line with the way zombie movies always sort of happen. Like with the exception of Romero, who just loved to kill everybody. But like, (laughs) you know, like typically with with those sorts of situations, it's always they're down to the last people and everybody's going to. And then all of a sudden, you know, military comes in and everybody's saved. And that... And like I didn't get back then. That's the way it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And 
it, I know it seems strange to come down on a comedy and be like, well, that ending was just a little bit, but it does work. And something I had forgotten, and I, you know, this gets back to the technical thing, but there, there are a couple of scenes where the zombies are attacking people, and um, in particular, when the one guy at the end gets pulled through the window, yeah, and they they go full on Day of the Dead gut ripping with him, yeah. I really appreciate now how that that very realistic sense of danger and gore made the rest of it funnier mm-hmm. because it gave you the permission to laugh to get rid of that sort of disgusted tension of what happens in a zombie movie. So that was something I didn't pick up on back then. That this time I was like, oh, okay, this is all... They did that to make... It really does make the other stuff funnier because you're looking for a reason to laugh after seeing somebody get eaten, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very much sort of a buddy comedy or a romantic comedy or both, you know, but yeah. at the same time, it's also a zombie movie straight up, you know? It's not, like, yeah. just silly, and they're not taking their 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 horror elements seriously. They are, you know? I mean, it's it's funny, but it's also just as gory as any other zombie movie you'll see. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I think, you know, looking at it now, I, I, I do like it a lot. I do think that it's definitely like a first-time film, mm-hmm. a first-time a first time filmmaker's movie, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's like the, there's there's some stuff in there, especially early in the movie, where it's like you're trying too hard you're being just a little too cute, and it's not working. Example. Um, well, the two that come to mind are literally like the very first scene where it starts off with Sean having a conversation with his girlfriend, and then we you know, pan over and see that his friend is sitting there, and then we pan <laughs> over and see yeah. that her roommates are sitting there, and it's like, that's a little too cute. The, okay. the, one, the one that really bothers me is uh, when... Uh, they're playing the the Queen song in the bar while they're beating up the the zombie. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah the zombie owner of the bar, and it's like yeah. choreographed and everything. I'm like, this is just a little too much. Which bothers. I, I'm, I'm even that's a scene which I'm conflicted on because like I'm the biggest like Queen fan in the world. Like, and I love that song, you know. And well, <laughs> see, I I, th- I think it's a good gag, but it goes on too long. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, for sure. To, to, yeah, I, I think that, that that's one of those moments that goes on too long. Um, but also in terms of like it being a full tilt zombie movie, to get back to you know what you were saying, where it's like it's a buddy comedy, it's a it's a romantic comedy. W- what is great about it, and I think what makes it work is it is just it it's a comedy, and the zombie thing is just in a sense incidental. Like, this is just already the guy's worst. It's the worst day of his life already. Yeah. And the zombie apocalypse happening. Like, that's not what made it bad. Like, this was going to be a bad day no matter what happened. Mm-hmm. And it just happens that the zombie apocalypse is there. And it's like, there, there's almost slur- sort of like an of course feeling. But I think even if you take the zombie nature out of it, you have a, uh, you know, a mediocre uh, sort of like premise comedy. And it, it is the zombie thing, it, you know, it, it operates to the side, but the addition of it is what makes it so unique. Like, I know I'm sort of like talking all over the place, but I hope I'm sort of making my point where it's like it functions without the zombies. And it's just that the zombies take it up to that level where it makes it unexpected to see it, to see this sort of movie in that sort of setting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can see that for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I do think, you know, I mean, maybe maybe I'm being too hard on, on Edgar Wright here because there are other things in there which I, I think are like sort of masterfully done. Like in particular, like the uh, when when he's going to the to the shop to get the Cornetto, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then they and then they play that scene out again after the apocalypse, you know, and I, like I think that that stuff works really well, you know, stuff like that. I mean, for the most part, it is very well done. Um, there's just some things about it where it's like you're trying too hard, and you know you can see in his later movies that he has sort of refined that. And mm-hmm. as far as the script is concerned, I mean it is a, a pretty 
killer script. I mean, it is so intricate, you know, and I mean, it's stuff that you, you would never pick up on on first viewing for sure, but, you know, on repeated viewings and, you know, I've, I've had the help of, of Max talking it up for, you know, the past 10 years or whatever, past 11 years, you know, and, but so I, I'm sort of, all of that stuff has been pointed out to me and now I can totally see it while I'm watching the movie, but there is just stuff in there where it's like throwaway jokes, which you would never get in a million years. And then you go back when you're analyzing the movie and you're like, wait a minute, you know, this is yeah. like really next level in terms of like the dialogue and stuff like that. And it's not even stuff that you need to advance the plot, but just the fact that it is so intricate, it really yeah. does speak to like how good uh, of, of a writer Simon Pegg is along with Edgar Wright. Yeah, you know. I, I agree. The The one bit that stuck with me this time, because I'm really trying to think if there was something similar that came before it or whether this is sort of the origin point for when they have the records, mm-hmm. being in the dire situation with the classic thing that somebody loves and adores, and even though it's a life or death situation, they're still being picky about what they use. Yeah, to, to, yeah. Like, I... I don't know if it's my memory failing me through the years, but I, I watched as I was watching this again, I saw that scene. I was like, this is the first time I really remember seeing a scene like this. And in a sense, it's become this indelible stamp that shows up every so often in these sorts of movies, especially geek centered movies where it's like, I just can't let go of that, even though it will save my life. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I can't think of another instance prior to this, but yeah, I mean, it could very well be that this was the the origin of that. But also, like, that scene and that sort of way of thinking in this movie, you know, I mean, this is this is another thing that, that Max would talk about a lot, is that, you know, they never break the logic of the movie, you know, um, in order to, to tell a joke, you know? Mm. It's like everything does make sense. Like, there's the whole thing where, like, they see the first zombie, and... Yeah. They're like taking, you know, selfies with her and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you, you think about that in terms of like a normal zombie movie and you're like, this is ridiculous. But at the same time, it almost addresses the problem that most zombie movies, you know, sort of ignore, which is like they're really slow and it would be kind of easy to avoid just one or two. You know, right. it's not well, yeah. that <laughs> they, it's they... not that hard to. <laughs> Well, yeah, you go back to all of the Romero stuff. The only reason they win is because of numbers. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, they just, they swarm you. And that's, you know, I, I know that this is this is a detour, but you mentioned uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I hate running zombies. I think they're terrible. I don't like the concept at all. Slow-moving zombies or nothing. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I that's mean, I don't, me. I guess I don't really have a preference one way or another. I mean, I, I'll take... Any and all zombies, you know, why not? Nah. But uh, I, I think I think the reason why Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is better than Romero's has to do with other things. I, I don't know. That's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Up until Zombie Baby, I agree. Although there, there is, I mean, that is part of the thing, and that was sort of like you know where I, I put my 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 flag, or planted my flag during during that year there were three zombie movies that came out in 2004 at least that were noteworthy one was Shaun of the dead yeah. and uh one was dawn of the dead and then the other yeah. one was resident evil apocalypse the second one and mm. you know you can kind of throw out apocalypse i enjoyed it whatever but you know while everyone else was like Shaun of the dead is one of the best movies of the year i was like yeah you know i think dawn of the dead is the superior zombie movie and you know yeah People no. were, were very upset with me for saying that. Although I have to say, I think I still think that's true. I agree with my with my twenty four year old self. I'm glad that you do. <laughs> Consistency is important, but um, to to be consistent on the other scale, you're wrong. Okay, There's fair just enough. Nothing, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but you know, I, the the in terms of the the uh, writing and everything, in addition to it being you know very complex and intricate and everything and and very well done on a a sort of technical level i think that it also does have you know some really interesting stuff going on in it thematically i mean what you were talking about before the idea that this is sort of like a guy who's um 
growing up, you know, in a sense. Yeah. And uh, he's, this is the day, this is where he steps up. You know, he does it with the zombie apocalypse, and, and that's where he becomes, you know, sort of an adult. And, you know, I think that that's, that's kind of cool that, that they chose to, to tell that story in this way, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I also uh, think that thematically it, it, it is pretty similar to Star Trek 09, coincidentally enough. I think that that has, you know, a lot of sort of the same stuff going on in it that just tackles it sort of in a different way. But mm. it is kind of interesting to, to look at the two of those um, hmm. next to okay. each other. I, don't know. I hadn't I hadn't thought to sort of like mentally pair those, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that now though. I, I mean, yeah. it's it's a slightly different thing, you know. I mean, obviously Kirk is younger than than Sean is by by a few years, and it's more about him sort of uh, taking his life. Well, I mean, I'm saying it now; it is pretty similar about him taking his life seriously and you know sort of deciding to make something of himself. I guess that's more of a, I mean, it's more sort of noble and everything in, in that he's going to, you know, be realizing yeah. his full potential and, you know, changing the world in a sense in Star Trek. Whereas in Shaun of the Dead, it's more about like, you know, s- starting a family or whatever, you know, right. not just, you know, spending all your time slacking off, but actually sort of making something of your life in a personal sense. But, you know, that it's basically yeah. the same thing, you know? Well, I, you know, and I, I will say that one of the, one of the plot lines that I think they treat really well, um, that, that's still really compelling is the whole concept of that friendship at the core yeah. and how it goes. And Sean, you know, everybody says through the whole movie, you're, you're constantly defending him. You're constantly, you know, sticking up for him. It's like, Oh, well, he's my friend. He's my friend. And then, you know, of course, at the end, but the way it's written and the way it's delivered when he finally loses his cool and mm-hmm. yells at, you know, at Nick Frost, he's like, what, what's wrong with you? Like my whole life, I've stood up for you and I've said there's something more to you. And you, you know, and he goes on and on. I, I really think that that one is handled extremely well. And maybe that speaks, you know, to something, you know, with me mentally or, or, or whatever, but like I, I really think that that was uh, probably the best arc in the entire film, like the most compelling. I mean, obviously it drives a lot of the movie, but you know that that one, the way it it, it resolved, was you know most satisfying to me. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and I mean, I think that you know that's one of the reasons why people do relate to it is because it it is similar to what. Uh, you know, the experiences that people in sort of the demographic of this movie are going through, you know, and that's, that's yeah. kind of cool. All right. Uh, well, any, any final thoughts on Shaun of the Dead? If you haven't seen it, go see, well, go see it, rent it, uh, you know, get it from iTunes or whatever and, and download it. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a good way to spend 99 minutes. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it as well, you know, especially if you're, you know, curious to see Peg's talent as a writer on display. You know, I think that that it's it's definitely sort of a a good indicator of what he can accomplish given the right set of circumstances, you know. So, yeah, definitely check it out for sure. Well, it's been fun talking about... Shaun of the Dead today, but that's not the only thing we've been talking about this week on Trek FM. So here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but if you haven't seen it, I would suggest you... I mean, you kind of have to. Like you said to me, you kind of have to. If you're going to be an original series fan... You gotta watch all the uh, original series crew doing stuff. The Ready Room. Here's one more thing I want to throw out here for you guys. Recasting this episode, because I know you guys like to do this on To the Journey with things, with mm-hmm. series and such. I think that Ma'ab should be played by Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To the Journey! Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to science! Yes, for coming to the truth. Commentary, Trek Stars. 
if they came out and they were like, Damon Lindelof is working on the show, I, it would be like jets and sharks in the streets. <laughs> that 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 heart on Twitter would burst into flames <laughs> like it was being held by Molaram or something, you know? <laughs> the 602 Club. So what we have here is an origin trilogy. And I think that's what's so brilliant about Skyfall is that by the time you get to the end of Skyfall, you have put Bond back exactly where he belongs, but you've also made him new and modern. And it's an incredible trick to pull off. Literary tricks. It definitely starts in a very dark place and it doesn't get much brighter at all. Uh, you know, until we until we get to the end and, and, you know, there's some hope there. But yeah, definitely it's it's a dark book. Women at Warp. <laughs> Basically, they're overturned by Riker being sexy. <laughs> uh. Well, to be fair, Riker's sexiness has been used to save the day on numerous occasions. Meta Trex. That would have just been a grand moment if, uh, you know, George Takei would have played Tuvix, you know, and, and when the transporter accident happens, he's standing there in those colorful clothes and just says, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 files from our website and grab the RSS link as well. Another way that you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trek.fm. If you want to contact us, you can fill out the form on trek.fm slash contact. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. You can find the network on Twitter at trek.fm, or you can find the network on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. That's also where you'll find the Babel Conference. Just type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field, on Facebook, or go to our website at trek.fm and click the discussion tab on the menu bar. John, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Kessel Junkie. You can find me on a weekly podcast with my friend Craig called Words with Nerds, also available through iTunes and Stitcher and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you can find me writing uh, the occasional television or movie review for showvote.com. Yeah, you're doing some uh, some Rebels reviews up on there? Yeah, I'm the Star Wars Rebels guy for uh, Showvote. So that I'm, I'm doing an episode-by-episode breakdown, as spoiler-free as possible. Yeah, I've, I've been watching Rebels. Um, I'm all much, caught up. Much better this season. I liked it a lot last season. You know? uh, it was shaky in the first half, and I was about to leave the show, and then they came back from their little break, and they got it together, and it was still a little bit shaky. And then by the end of the first season, they had me again. It was the end of the first season that, cra- that captured me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I liked it last season. I like it this season. Although, you know, the thing which seems to be permeating through this season is like, how many references to Clone Wars can we cr- cram in here? You know? uh, but see, the thing is, what I really like is I, I like the fact that they have now introduced to their little space family grandpa rex like i really like the crusty old grandpa trying to raise the you know show the well back in my day like it really is like in a lot of ways that that little frame that they have at the opening uh, of every episode is you know it's like an 80s sitcom come back like and i dig that i like that it's a loving homage to what we grew up with watching and I guess I'd be okay with that if it weren't for the fact that literally every episode that they've done this season has in some way or another 
been about this character from Clone Wars is showing up. Like if they would have just oh. said, here's Captain Rex. Well, that's crazy, right? But it's like, well, here's Ahsoka. Spoilers. I'm sorry. Well, no. Ahsoka lives. She came back at the end of last season, though. Right. And another thing is that Hondo, they could, that episode works whether it's him or not. The fact that it's Hondo actually is really nice because it makes the episode work on a different level for longtime fans. But they could have written an entirely new character that uh, and, the, and the episode doesn't suffer. It's sort of like the whole zombie thing in Shaun of the Dead doesn't need to be there for the main plots to resolve themselves. It just happens to be the zombie apocalypse. It just happens to be Hondo. I guess I guess my thing about it, while I don't have any problem with that whatsoever, it just seems to me to be like a, a pretty strange coincidence that week after week they're encountering these people who all had adventures with Obi-Wan and well, Anakin and you whatnot. Know, I, I hate to just s- randomly. I hate to spoil it for you, but this week we're going to go a little bit into Harrison Dula's life. And you do know that she's the daughter of the revolutionary that worked with the Jedi on Ryloth, right? I um I, I I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about right now. Oh, but... <laughs> but Hera, the green, the green. Okay, yes, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the she's pilot. the da- she's the yeah. daughter of, of the revolutionary yeah, the... who worked with the Jedi to fight the separatists on Ryloth yeah, in because the Clone Wars. Book. No, yeah, no, no, in, in not that... not just in the book in the series. Like technically, oh, he, technically, he's, Hera... a, he's a character in the in the oh, series yeah. too. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I say I just knew him from the book, you know. Oh no, he's he is prominent in the series. He's got uh, at least two different story arcs. Well, at least with that, it's you know okay. So he's related to her, and it's built into the premise from the beginning or whatever. But I don't know. It's just anyway. Doesn't I, matter. It's I still think it's really good. Okay. I, I still you know still, but you know I, I definitely think that last season was was better um, so far, but. Well, we'll, we'll just see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. We'll just have to disagree, and that's all yeah. right. That's yeah. all right because that's what we're all about on this show. And Trek FM is honoring and respecting each other's viewpoints, Mike. Oh, I thought you were going to say disagreeing. Well, I, that's <laughs> sort of implied. You can't have to. Re- you can't be in a situation where you have to respect somebody else's viewpoint unless you're disagreeing. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair enough. I like disagreeing. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say one one last thing about that. Oh yeah, yeah, I did read Ezra's Gamble. Did I tell you about that? No, you didn't tell me about that because of you. Ah, and you saying like, yeah, you got to read the little kid books. I'm like, seriously, and I'm like, well, now I need to read all of them. So I read like the first <laughs> Servants of the Empire book, and I'm like, yeah, it was, you know, whatever. And then I read. Uh, Ezra's Gamble, which is like it takes place like right before. Like literally, like right before the season, like the the little short that they did that introduces Ezra okay. is like that's basically the last scene of the book. But the book is basically about like Bosk comes to Lothal to get a bounty on some dude, sure, and and Ezra and him cross paths, and basically Bosk is like. Hey kid, yeah, can you just help me out? Could you just like go and do this thing and it'll be and then they get caught up together and basically Bosk starts using Ezra as like bait and stuff in order to to bring in this dude, right? To yeah, bring right. in this bounty. Yeah. So it's almost like a buddy action comedy with Bosk and Ezra. That sounds wonderful. It's pretty amazing, actually. See, read that one. I that's, will read that awesome. one because the, the, it was the the other three kid books that I I read. I haven't read that one, but I will read it now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That one's cool. good. And Servants of the Empire, I'm intrigued by, even though so far it's you know, I don't know. Kind of, I, I, I did it again. <laughs> I, I feel I feel kind of bad saying that it's you know like the same thing as Lost Stars, only not as good. But it is, even though it came out before Lost Stars. Okay. I mean, it really does feel like kind of the lightweight version of Lost Stars. So. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Cool, man. We're, we're not talking about those books, but, but let's, let's talk about some other books because, uh, um, you know, Audible is a sponsor yeah. for, for uh, Trek FM and commentary Trek Stars. And uh, we'd like everyone to ask that they please support Audible. 
Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Do you have a book for us this week? I do. Uh, I figure in keeping with, uh, with the theme, Dawn of the Dead, written by George Romero and Susanna Sparrow, narrated by Jonathan Davis. And uh, in case you're not familiar with Dawn of the Dead, if you haven't seen it, um, the book, the description is, George Romero terrified a generation with his iconic horror film and with this cult classic novel. Immerse yourself in this unparalleled vision from the revered master of the zombie apocalypse and be terrified all over again. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, you know, George Romero, he's a big fan of Shaun of the Dead, too, by the way. Oh, good. You know, I I actually like hearing that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that this was a a, a novel, but the fact that Romero himself uh, wrote it or co-wrote it is... uh, Pretty interesting. I, I will say that Dawn of the Dead has one of my favorite lines in any movie, as much as I might not adore the movie. Uh, the line, we're thieves and we're bad guys. That that <laughs> regularly was uh, left on answering machines between me and my friends throughout college. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, you can get uh, Dawn of the Dead for free uh, because you listen to Trek FM. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and the network. All right. Oh, I don't think I ever said where people can find me. No, but you should. Okay. Uh, well, people can find me <laughs> on uh, Trek FM doing Standard Orbit with uh, Drew. This week we just uh, released an episode where we talked to um, Mike Johnson, the writer, and Sarah Gados, the editor of the Star Trek Ongoing comics, about uh, adapting um, the uh, original series episodes into J.J. Verse uh, continuity. So check that out. Yeah. And you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com doing Commentary Trackstar Babies uh, with Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find the show on Twitter at ComTrackStars. And you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. All right. Well, next week we will be back with the second film in the Cornetto Trilogy, Hot Fuzz. (laughs) 